Hey everyone, welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Metzger, along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. And today we are going to be taking a look at some news from around the NHL, bouncing back from around uh, different topics and starting with a, a bigger one that sent... Um, I don't know if shockwaves is the right uh, right way to put it, but definitely a, an eye-opening move, and that is Jacob Vrana being waived by the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, he went through waivers. No one claimed him. He has $5.25 million left on his contract uh, a, or for a cap hit for this year and next year. So it's a year and a half, basically, anyone would be claiming. Um, there's a lot that we can kind of kick around on this. Where do you want to start with this, Chase? Uh, that's a good question. So something I'm okay. Is Jacob Verana worth more than $5.25 million? Probably. No, I don't think you really, I think I his on ice expected value is higher than that. Maybe slightly. I don't think it's drastically unless you're talking like absolute peak, but like he is one of the more efficient goal scorers in the league, but even so I guess, we can get into that too to start. Is he worth his cap hit to begin with? Because that feeds into the second part of this question or part of something that I found odd about this. Yeah. I would say like, like he's around, I think it would be a fair deal if he could stay healthy. Maybe, maybe if he's always fully healthy, you would, you could argue that he's worth more than his $5.25 million cap hit, but especially given that he has not played more than 50 games in three years. I don't see how you can argue him being worth more than $5 million. Like at best, I think it's quote unquote fair. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And the, the injury risk is a legitimate thing. And then he obviously has played very, very little this year uh, to go along with that increasing like the on ice risk. But I don't know. I've been floored by everybody being like, I can't believe he cleared or like every team in the league should claim him. There's only three teams in the league with enough, cap space to claim him if i remember correctly uh and all three of those teams actually the sabers aren't but one of them's the ducks and one of them's the coyotes who are like openly tanking yeah so i got in trouble well not in trouble but like i got in a disagreement with a couple of people about this on twitter today is i had the exact same take of like why are people surprised he made it through waivers there are Seven teams with six or 5.25 or more in current cap space. They are the Ottawa Senators at 6.2, and that includes Josh Norris at uh, on LTIR. So they'll be even closer to that when he comes off. The Minnesota Wild at 6.9, who aren't taking a swing at uh, Jacob Vrana. The Detroit Red Wings, who just waived him. The Chicago Blackhawks, Anaheim Duck, Buffalo Sabres, and Arizona Coyotes. So there are six teams who could actually claim him. As as you, you mentioned, argue Buffalo should. Yeah, I think, and so th- this is where we go into who should, who could, who would, right? Maybe you could make an argument for all four of Chicago, Anaheim, Buffalo, Arizona, in terms of like, as you said, this guy, when healthy, is an insane goal scorer. So maybe you could see it as you look at it as a guy of like, if we can build his value back up this year and next, we could flip him next year for a first at the deadline. Yeah. But yeah, then you Buffalo get especially because they have a he, ton of space. No huge Dylan Cousins is up, but like they're not going to blow 15 so million in cap space on Cousins. This is where you get to the next spot is three of those four teams actively want to suck and don't want to get better this year. 
Jacob Vrana being a marginal first-line player that scores at a 28-goal rate is not helping any of those three teams, even if they get a second for him at next deadline. Like, if that puts you 8% less of a chance to get Connor Bedard, that is a bad thing. Very, very bad thing. Right? So now you've already eliminated three to the four, even ignoring the draft odds on this all. To me, Jacob Brandon, the person, needs to be put in a very specific spot to succeed. Because as you mentioned, he's a good goal scorer. That's a given. However, his play driving has never been particularly strong, especially recently when he can't stay healthy. Right. It's and so it's not bad, but it's no, good. but it's not great. Right. So he needs to be at least the second best player on the line, probably put with a really good playmaker. And the Chicago Blackhawks don't have that. The uh, Arizona Coyotes, sure. That, well, yeah. Sorry. They have Patrick Kane. Traded. Yeah. Exactly. Right. They have Patrick Kane, but they're not about to have that. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes, sure as shit, don't have that. The Anaheim Ducks have Trevor Zegras, but Trevor Zegras isn't a very good play driver in his own right. So that just feels like a line that, like, is going to score 50 goals and let up 52. And then you get to Buffalo. And and that's why I do think if one of the teams were going to claim them, it would be the Buffalo Sabres. But even them, yes. now uh, they have Ocposa coming off the books at $6 million. Never mind. Because I was about to say, the Tate Thompson deal kicks in next year, and that's a $6 million raise. So there's our poses number right there. Yeah, at which point they still are going in with like almost twenty million. In space. They have a lot, yeah, because it's Dylan Cousins is up next year, uh, and then yeah, by the time anyone else of note is up, then uh, he'll be off the book. Like you, you're done in the current contract, anyways. So I do exactly. think that is the one team that if they really want to claim them, definitely could have because they do have decent forwards right now. They could put them in the spots to succeed, and he, you know, there's no downside to him being good or bad if that makes sense yeah um but yeah like, so now we're at one team out of 32 and guess what this isn't the team that's always willing to splash money around they may not want to spend six million dollars on a guy they're not even sure is like a, a top six forward fully if he can't stay healthy yeah exactly and all of this is before getting into the hole like maybe it's the best for his recovery that he stays in detroit kind of thing Exactly. Um, so, and I yeah, don't know I, anything on that. I don't even want to speculate there, but like that's a legitimate thing that could exist as well. Yeah, exactly. And if anyone doesn't know, he was into the um, abuse program this year, correct? The uh, substance yeah. abuse program. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's what Chase is talking about with maybe it's better to stay in Troy. And yeah, but that's a bit off like stuff that, you know, is hard to quantify and anything. And, and we don't need to get into that, but like it just... Yeah, even just purely looking at the on-ice stuff over the past three years, my head was the exact same of yours of like, yeah, I don't know why people were so shocked that this guy made it through waivers because 24 teams were going to have to make multiple moves to clear space for him. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I'm a Leafs fan, so I got mostly Leafs-related stuff, obviously. It's like, yeah, he'd be a pretty nice improvement on their second line left wing, but I don't know. Are you like cap dumping Kerfoot within eight hours to make that work? And then like, I don't know, like it's logistically a complete nightmare for almost every team in the league because we are in a fundamentally different cap environment than we used to be in where everyone pretty much is either tanking or broke. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, if he had 
even just this year on his books, you know, maybe more people will be willing to move it. But the other thing is, too, a bunch of teams don't even really have enough to just guarantee a guy 5.25 for next year either. Yeah. So it's it's a classic case of, yeah, sure, he probably is worth, in a perfect world, more than $5.25 million. Yeah, um, let's call it six or something like yeah. that. But you, given the inconsistency, and I'm not even just talking about this year. Like, he hasn't had to, got to play much this year. And, you know, but, like, he he's d- dealt with legitimately legitimate injuries over the past couple of years as well. And given that risk, factored in with, yeah, no one has the money to take him, it just shouldn't be that shocking. You know, if this was a dude who had $2.5 million left on a deal that expired this year, I would say all 31 teams, honestly, 32, because Detroit should not be throwing that away either, should be interested in this guy. But because he makes 5.25 for another year and a half, it's it's just way different, you know? Yeah, it automatically gets rid of basically every contending team. Yeah, and unless I saw a bunch really of... really generous and call the wild. I mean, I guess. The they're the, they're the closest things you could get to calling a contending team. But even then, they probably don't want to spend the, the cap space for next year because I'm assuming they probably have a couple more rookies to sign this year. Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about this many a time. The Wilder and yeah, Boldy's out this year to their own decisions. Yeah, exactly. And Kalen Iverson Dumbas too. up. Yeah, so it's yeah, I I totally agree with you. Where it's like, sure, I'm sure there is a team, like there are multiple teams that would benefit from Jacob Brana on their top six, especially because you know it's one of those situations where it sucks because you can't change his cap hit. But if you could, like teams like Toronto would be the perfect fit in terms of what I was saying oh, yeah. where. Nylander can drive the play for Verona and then just set him up in the offensive zone. Same with like, or if you want to put him with like Mitch Marner or whatever, right? Like that would be yep. the perfect fit for him, but there's a reason that they can't get that. Yes, exactly. Like he'd be, he'd be a great trigger man on a line because the Leafs, Leafs don't have to worry about driving play. A depth scoring has been kind of an issue. The Avs, everybody on earth is hurt right now. Wouldn't another goal scorer be great? All of those things. But like, there's a reason those teams can't afford him. Yep, exactly. So, um, you know, what might be able to happen is, uh, you know, now that he is in the minors, and we'll see where that goes if he, if he reports the AHL, I think it's more likely that, you know, a, a trade could be worked out because I could see, you know, either Detroit, you know, I, I'm assuming a lot of teams are probably taken a little off guard, as I, most of us were just seeing the news. Teams can now have a couple months before the trade deadline arrives to go, okay, maybe we do want to, like, let's go Toronto, for example. Maybe Toronto goes, hey, Detroit, we'll give you Justin Hall and whatever pick you need to equal out. So the salaries equal out a bit more, and maybe they see if Detroit can eat like $1 million for this year and next. Suddenly you have Jacob Rana at 4.25. The Leafs can contain him this year because they have $2 million of Justin Hall's off the cap, so that fixed the cap right there for this year, and then they figure it out going into next summer. I'm sure there's probably a handful of teams that'd be willing to do that, but it's probably a lot easier to do it now that he has already cleared and you can trade for him to send, you know, salary back if needed. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a really interesting one to see. Absolutely surprising. And I mean, this is, you know, not, I can't imagine this is what Detroit wanted. You know, they just traded for this guy, hoping that he would be a key part of their, you know, rebuild, retool kind of thing a couple of years ago. Um, they traded for, who did they send to Washington for him? One for one. Mantha. Mantha, yeah, who's like a very solid player, you know? So, you know, obviously I don't think this is what they wanted sending him to the minors because obviously it doesn't help his value at all, but it's just one of those things where like 
I feel like people, you know, like the points per 60 stuff got brought up a couple of times I saw today. And it's like, that's great. But have you looked at how many games he's played? Because the points per 60 only matters so much when he played. He's played two games this year and he's had two points in it, to be fair. But he played 26 last year and uh, 50 the year before. Yep. And a consistent team is the biggest outliers uh, are either the best in the world at stuff. Connor McDavid's kind of pretty big outlier or people who are good, albeit not amazing, that uh, have a limited sample and just happen to crush that sample. Who does that sound exactly like to you? Exactly. Right. So it's just one of those things where, again, like if it is, I don't think it's bad because, you know, I don't think it'd be bad if a team does acquire him. They just need to know what type of player they're acquiring. And that's a player needs to fit a specific role in terms of, you know, he's going to be a, he's going to be a really good shooter for you, but you're going to need some help in in his own end. You know, you're going to need someone to help uh, control play and possession more than he does and, you know, help someone set him up so he can get that shot. Yeah, which again is cool, but all the teams that can afford that don't have a real incentive to be uh, to be into that sort of thing right now. Yep, exactly. And especially, yeah, not when they have to shed, you know, multiple roster players to do so. So, um, yeah, I definitely think his name will keep coming up as we close in the deadline. Like, it'll be interesting what kind of market he gets, because as you said, like, the upside is there to be like a $7 million player. But yes. there's you oh, know, no doubt teams will be worried about the risk. And more importantly to the risk from a, a managed asset management standpoint Teams are now going to be like, you just tossed this dude on waivers. There's no way we're giving up a first-round pick or anything like that. A hundred percent. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, Iserman asks for and also, you know, what he can actually get in return. But, um, yeah, I'm fully with you in terms of, like, I was really surprised when people, the amount of people that were like, wow, how did he not clear? That's absolutely insane. Yeah, I I would have been floored if someone picked them. Yeah, other than again, like Buffalo or me, even yep. like one of the maybe if you told me the Chicago picked them up or whatever, and they're like, Yeah, we just we need someone to sell an extra 20 tickets here or there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that but, could work. And again, this is all assuming there's no gentleman's agreement to, hey, please let this guy go down because it's best for his uh, his personal life, which is entirely possible. Yeah, that's very true as well. So um, I, I guess the other aspect to look at it is from, you know, Detroit's standpoint, uh, again, like this was a guy that they were hoping was going to contribute for them. Uh, Detroit's in a weird spot to me. Like they're uh, they're fine. They're kind of right in the mix of the Sabres, Red Wings, and Senators. And the Panthers are right there too. We'll get to the Panthers later uh, as well. But, um, you know, like the Sabres, Red Wings, Senators, and Panthers all have 38 to 40 points. Uh, the Red Wings have the least amount of games played out of those guys, so their points percentage is the best. But they're 3-5-2 and two in their last 10. They have a minus 7 goal differential. For comparison, the Sabres are plus 21. Uh, the Senators are an even 0, and the Panthers are minus 5. So they're the worst of those four teams right there. And I think my biggest problem with the Red Wings is like, and we've talked about it, I feel like, is they just kind of feel like a team that's destined for this middle zone right now. Like, it, it feels like they should be aiming for another top game breaker that they don't have. Yeah, 100%, because it's completely unclear as to where where the next wave of, like, superstars comes from for them. They have, have good players, but they really lack great players. Yeah, exactly. And, like, maybe Marco Casper's someone like that for them. I'm not sure. Um, but like the most likely one is 
Simon Edmondson, but even if Simon Edmondson's like more inside or good, which is like a 99th percentile outcome for any defensive prospect, are you like, yep, the Wings are a contender? Not like right now, you know, like they need if they need him to hit and then like Marco Casper to come be like a second line player and Lucas Raymond to take a step up from what he is right now. Like, and even then, like, contender, I don't, I don't know about contender. Raymond's lucky that uh, Trevor Zegras is more fun on Twitter because all of the, yeah, Zegras is fun, but actually overrated as hell. Um, Raymond's Zegras, but worse. Yeah. Like, he's yes. very similar in that sense. Yeah. It was, it's been going around a lot on uh, Sen's Twitter right now, but like how, not luck. I mean, they, they a sense Twitter has not been uh, defining it as luck. I'll tell you that. But um, how well Ottawa made out of that 2020 draft, especially because the narrative was like pretty low on it. Not not pretty low, but like people were kind of mad at them for taking not as much Stutzla. That was usually a consensus three, but Sanderson at five for sure. And they're really looking like they might have got the best two players out of that draft. Yeah, 100%. Fun fact, working on some draft stuff now, suggesting Tim Stuzzle should have been number one. Yeah, I think you can make a legitimate argument for that. Like, Yeah, but this is all, like, at the time modeling, too, which is interesting. That's interesting as well, yeah. And, I mean, like, he was pretty consensus, like, top three. Everyone just kind of saw what Lafreniere was doing in the um, uh, CHL. The yeah, in the queue, and... You know, there was a, there was actually a really uh, Kyle Piera put out a really good article in Last Word on Hockey, shameless plug there that I, I was editing the other day and I was reading and it, it was really good and it kind of highlighted you know the the Rangers just absolutely brutal development of Lafreniere and you know looking and it kind of went back and looked and said oh, did we overrate his production in the in the queue and you know like was his lack of defense you know maybe something that got overlooked for his points that are obviously for anyone who doesn't know the the queue is the highest scoring uh, CHL league there is out of the three um the whl and ohl are not like insanely less scoring but definitely less scoring than the q um but his conclusion was maybe there was a little bit of overrating there but it's been more how poorly the the rangers have handled things than uh, anything else which i tend to agree with i think but yeah like uh, back to the point yeah but back to the point like i think it's um pretty obvious now that like stutzla and, and jake sanderson are easily if you do a redraft, both of them are moving up at least a spot, maybe two, maybe three for Sanderson, right? So um, that, that's that been a lot of fun to see. But yeah, for Detroit, getting back on track with that, it's just one of those things where they're kind of stuck. Like they're just going to feel destined to be this right now where they're probably going to miss the playoffs by like eight or nine points and be fifth in their own division. But then even if like, yeah, they get a couple more prospects in making a difference, like, I don't know. They just feel like a team that's going to be fighting for a wild card, maybe third in the division once like Boston finally hits the age curve we've all been predicting for 10 years. Like, <laughs> right. And like maybe the Lightning eventually take a step back in two or three years or whatever. But like, I don't, I don't know. I, it's one of those things where I, I just, I struggle to see a path forward to being a legitimate contender. But I, I try not to just close the door on it because we have seen it before, but it's just, they need to make more moves than what they're doing right now. That's for sure. Yeah. And they need to find a way to make big swings. And even if that's like acquiring a superstar through the draft, which isn't necessarily a swing, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And like, it's like Dylan know, Larkin's great, but Dylan Larkin shouldn't be your best player. If you want to be a contender. 
No, exactly. Best and, forward, anyways. And like we have seen again, we just talked about Stutzel and Sanderson going three and five in a draft. Like it's not. It's much more likely, obviously, you know, you've done a bunch of research on this. It's much more likely that you get the star at one or two or three, and that's what you should be aiming for. But it's not impossible to get guys at four or five, especially in the top 10 still, you know, like four, five, six, yeah. seven, still have produced, you know, good talent. It's just obviously much l- less likely than one or two. Exactly. Especially this year, where it's like, there's a lot of people either breaking league records or very close to it this year. This is your shot if you're the wings. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and you know, maybe, maybe some will argue that sending Vrana down will help them too with that in terms of sliding down. I, I know that won't be the goal for them or the, and it's never the goals for the players anyways, but uh, yeah, it, it's just definitely a sharp move. It'll be interesting to see where it develops and where it goes from here. But um, the, the, the middle of the Atlantic is very interesting. Like you had the Bruins and, and just an insane 62. Like, they're 7 and 3 in their last 10, dude. They still only have four regulation losses and we're 37 games into the season. That's so stupid. How? Like, it's just nutty. I but, hate and that then, team so much. It's crazy. And then you got the Leafs, who, again, are having an amazing season for themselves. They're 23, 8, and 7. Like, I gotta imagine they're on pace to crush whatever their franchise record is that they just set for points because they said it last year, right? Yeah, I believe so. Um, what's their point pace? 53-38. 114-ish. Yeah, so that's right. I think 115 was the record. So they're just okay. playing at a franchise record pace. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. close to winning their division. Yeah, and then you get the Tampa Bay Lightning at uh, 49 points in 36 games. You know, they're, they're hovering right around there as well, around the 115 pace. And then you drop nine points to the Sabres, Red Wings, Senators, Panthers. Uh Boy, the Florida Panthers. I we talked. I feel like we talked about them a couple of weeks ago. But like, how far do we get into the season here before we start like going? This is a lost season for them. Gotta be the weirdest thing is all their numbers are good, but God, we have to be close to that, don't we? I know. I keep wanting to take victory laps on like Paul Maurice is a shit coach and everything, but it's like, oh, like. I haven't watched them tactically or anything, but their coursey numbers and stuff are all very good still. Yeah, like everything suggests they don't suck. And yet they just can't win a game to save their life. And even simple things like goal differential. Like you said, the Panthers are the worst of that middle group, aren't they? Yep. Yeah, they're minus seven. Like, I just, yeah, I, it's astonishing to me, to be honest. Like, um, it's even like their their save percentage, it's like that would be the first thing I would think of, but they're just kind of middle of the pack at five on five. Yeah, it's not like they they have like the worst PDO in the league either. No, like their five on five save percentage is nine sixteen point six. That puts them eighteenth in the league, right around Ottawa, Detroit, uh, and Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, which is that's fine. Like that's, yeah. Well, yeah, and that so you wouldn't expect a team with the 18th best save percentage, but then fourth best Corsi four and sixth best, seventh best expected goals for to be like literally getting close to being like, oh, these guys aren't going to make playoffs. Dom had them. I forget the exact number, but it started with a three. So, like, well below 50%. That seems about right because they're like, they're nine points out of a playoff spot right now. That's crazy. Thirty nine because they play more games than anyone else too. They're at thirty nine games, which is the most that anyone other than the Capitals have played in the East. 
And yeah, so there, and the Atlantic's has, probably sent in three. Plus, you still have to play the Atlantic the rest of the year. Well, and that's the thing. Even if the Atlantic doesn't send three, you have to jump the Senators, Red Wings, and Sabers now. Which again, at the beginning of the year, wouldn't have sounded like that tough of a task. But that's just three teams. Like that's just a lot of bodies to move up against. Yeah, exactly. And it still doesn't seem like it should be that hard. But like the reality is, jumping three teams in the NHL is fucking hard. Yeah, and then you got to jump the Penguins on the other side who aren't in a playoff spot right now. And then yeah. that's all to and try the and Islanders. get. Yeah, the Islanders are at forty-six. They hold wild card too. Forty-six points in thirty-nine games. That means you're eight points out of a playoff spot if you're the Florida Panthers. That's absolutely nuts, especially because like they also crushed the Tuchuk trade. It looks like yeah, like Tuchuk's been awesome, and Huberto has not. Like, like he's cooled off a little bit, but he looked like a legitimate MVP candidate. Like thirty games into the season, he's still. Probably pretty close. Has their special teams just been like the worst or what? It's a good question. I'm their gonna fifth go... last in shooting percentage on the power play. Yeah, their power play is 24th in the league in efficiency. Their penalty kill is that's just pure offense. Their penalty kill is not 10th last. So, like, even those, they're not good, but. It's not like sewer your season bad either, I wouldn't think. No, like their their save percentage on the penalty kill is twenty fourth. So like, yeah, like I just that that explains a little bit at least, but even that, it's like to me, I would think they have enough talent that if you're fourth in Corsi four, eighteenth and five on five save percentage, seventh in expected goals. That should be better than eight points out of the playoffs, even like being bottom half of special teams. Yeah, but 100%. they're not. And like they have the talent, you should like they're they're relatively good and ex- they're not great, but they're all right and expected goals against. Like you'd think you'd be able to outrun a little bit of bad goaltending. Yeah, it's just it's absolutely crazy. So yeah, it, that's something to keep an eye on because they're getting to the point where it's like, yeah, you're going to have to go on quite the miracle run. Because even like right now, a lot of things on Sense Twitter, a lot of people are like point watching the Sabres, Red Wings, and Panthers. They're doing it as if like this is the second wildcard battle, but it's just to jump up to like fourth in the Atlantic. And <laughs> it's like, I find it so funny, but at the same time, I'm trying not to be like a total curmudgeon either because it's like at least fans are, the point of fandom is to have fun and cheer for something, right? So like, yeah. On that end, I like I haven't really said anything on Twitter just because it's like it, it is what it is. But it is a little funny to be like, like they're actively cheering for Buffalo to lose as if this is like a playoff race or something. It's like this is puts them now nine points out of a playoff spot. Like this is awesome. That's but, hilarious. Yeah, but like that's where the Panthers are right now too. Like they have to like they're not watching the Lightning anymore. They are watching the Sabers, Red Wings, and Senators. And I, my classic line is, as a Senators fan, if you would have told me on January 4th the Senators were one point ahead of the Panthers, I would have been ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And as you should have been. Yeah, so. Um, the the Tuchuk trade goes great, and they're still one point ahead of the Panthers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, the Panthers are top 10 in both expected goals, Corsi 4. They killed the Tuchuk trade, and the Senators are ahead of them. I would have been like, oh yeah, sign me up. Like this is this is huge. And yeah, that's just tells you how the Panther season's been going. Yeah, it's tough. It's just been, yeah, just an, an absolute uh absolute mess. So 
Um, that like we're sneakily getting up to the halfway point in the season here. Like by the time we record next week, a lot of teams will probably be at about 41, 40 ish games. And like, we're, we're into the new year now We're you know, the trade deadline's only a couple months away, which is just, it's weird to think about, but you know, we're at the point now where if you're not going, you know, you got to start thinking. And the bad thing with the Panthers, they don't have a first round pick this year. <laughs> well, to be fair, they got uh, a top pairing defenseman with it at the deadline last year. <laughs> yeah, they got a real good player, that's for sure. Uh, so, I, yeah, like that—that's the problem too. Where a lot of these teams, like the Red Wings, the Sabers, the Senators, like if for whatever reason you know they they fall back to earth and or you know just like the, the rest of the season doesn't go as planned, you know, obviously that sucks. But at the end of the day, they can look at me like, oh, we got a top seven pick. The Panthers cannot do that. Like they just, they don't physically have the tools to do that. So, all right, hear me out. I hate the, uh, you can't have, you can't ever wish for Connor Bedard to go to a division rival. So I'll say the funniest outcome is the Panthers win the lottery and the Fantilli pick is what's getting traded for Ben Sherrod. Yeah, that would be, that would be hilarious. Yeah, I mean, as a Sens fan, I wouldn't want to see Bedard, but it would be pretty. Do you know how many um, conspiracy theories would come out too if the Panthers pick won the lottery? That give the con- massive Canadian market the superstar. The superstar, yeah. Like that would be, it would especially be after the, the the last two prospects that good we've seen are McDavid and Matthews. Yeah, exactly. Like that would be pretty funny, but um, yeah, I just the Panthers are. It feels like not that many people are talking about them. Maybe I'm missing that. I don't know. But, like, I didn't really realize just how far out of the, um, like, stand playoffs they were until I was literally looking at it for my podcast that I did, like, the Sense podcast earlier today I did. And I was like, holy shit, they're ahead of the Panthers. That's so funny. Yeah, like, and, and the Sens are 500 as well. Like, they're 18 and 20 on the 18, 17, and 3, but 18 and 20 on the year. I'm surprised it hasn't, uh, like, not just not hearing about it. I haven't heard, like, a word of anyone being fired. No, and, like, I think it, because they just hired Maurice, maybe that's why? Yeah, that very well could be. Because, okay. like... There's a lot of teams. I'm just thinking, like, if this happens to any team that good, you'd think it would result in a meltdown. Like, even the Hurricanes. It's front page news, I would think. Yeah. Like, and, yeah, I don't know. It's just they can't move anyone either. They're Like, they keep talking about how they're going to move Bobrovsky this summer. I don't know how or where. Yeah, good luck with that, especially – Going to the last conversation, everybody's too broke to have one of the best goal scorers in the league for free. You're not moving a $10 million Bobrovsky unless you're giving up more picks, but they don't have picks to trade either. No. So, are you kind of dumping Sam Reinhardt to get rid of Bobrovsky or something like that? Like, I I don't even know what you do. Yeah. I, I really, I don't, I have no idea. Like, it's, they are in an interesting spot, you know. So, um, I, I I don't even have much more to say on them because I just like it's 
it's basically a thing where it's like you got to wait and see. You got to basically hope that like if you retain someone's desperate enough for some goaltending that they take a stab at Bob at like six and a half or whatever. Yeah, and that I could see, but God, then you're you're still eating probably what? Yeah, three to four million at yeah. best. He's got an like, eight ninety four this year. Yeah, like he hasn't been good for as much as we said. Oh, their goaltending's been fine. He has been not good. It's been, if I remember, yeah, like it's if, been bad. From what I can tell, Spencer Knight has taken that number one spot. So, yes. but like, yeah, so like who's taking and what he's got three more years, two more years on that contract? Um, four, isn't it? Maybe four, including this year. Yes, I think that's it. Yeah, four, three. including this year. So, yeah, three. So- yeah, three, assuming it's a deal that gets me in the summer, it's three years. Like, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what they do. And, like, Patrick Hornquist is at least coming off at, at 5.3 this year. Like, that's some relief you're going to get. But, like, they're so close to the cap that, like, if Duclair comes back, they if Duclair and Hornquist come back off of LTIR, they were talking about how they have to trade someone off their active roster just to make room for Duclair's $3 million. That's nuts. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what to think. Um, <laughs> it's uh, they are a team that it's just they're going to be fascinating to watch because all, the other thing too is like I keep on listening like the PDO cast and like Dmitry Filipovich is always higher on this team's future than I ever have. Uh, like That's so weird to me. I know, like, because he was like, oh, this year is always going to be like a bit of a, a a middle ground, and maybe they sold ownership on that, which is maybe true, but like a step back and, and move into the new core with Kachuk. But it's like moving into the new core implies that other pieces are coming, and I don't see what those other pieces are. Well, that's the problem, right? Like, the roster is what it is. Like, you're not getting help. No, there's no like big prospect as far as I'm aware. No, and there's no first-round picks, so you're not trading for help unless you're just doing a thing where you're like, we can fleece someone for X player because he wants out. We're getting Jesse Pugliarvi for our 17th best prospect, and he's... Yeah. yeah. Like, the trades that we understand do happen, but you can't bank on kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, maybe that is, you know, the the way they'll approach this summer is let's get Borowski off the books at all costs necessary, and then, yeah, maybe they look at Pugliarvi as... Or, you know, like this year, the, the best example of that is Bjorkstrand, right? Like, who would have thought all of your Bjorkstrand would come available for a, what is a second and a fourth? Yeah, something like that. But even then, but, again, they don't have money for that. <laughs> no, I know. But like with Bob off the books, they might. Yeah, true. But, um, yeah, so maybe that's their plan. I don't know. It will be interesting to see, that's for sure. Um, all right. Before we go into the next segment, I want to say thank you to our sponsors at BetStamp. Uh, BetStamp allows you to easily line shop uh, and find the best odds using their app for multiple over multiple sports books. Uh, the best way to actually make money on sports gambling is to have multiple sports books open and money in those accounts. Uh, BetStamp easily allows you to look from game to game and bet to bet and uh, allows you to compare lines. And again, if people are wondering just how aggressive it is, um, you know, uh, we've had, uh, we use this for football and there's been times where a team is minus 150 to win, which means 
you need to place $15 down to win $10. Uh, and you can get them on BetStamp at sometimes as, as low as like minus 125 with a different sports book. Um, or it'll also show when there's a promo. So, you know, sometimes DraftKings has even money or whatever. And, and suddenly you can, if you're using BetStamp, you can see that it's actually even money. And now you only need to place $10 down to win 10 bucks. Um, you know, they, they also have uh, verified bet tracking. So it allows you to... Um, Take a look at the odds and what you bet and track your ROI, how much you've placed and with each sports book. Uh, it also allows you commit. There's a commission free marketplace um, so you can use experts picks and take a look at what other people are placing down as their uh, picks. And you can, you know, follow them and see what they're doing as well. So uh, all this is completely free. Just have to download the BetStamp app. And if you would use the referral code M&M Hockey, that would mean a lot to us as well. Um, and if there's any questions, you can always uh, approach either of us about BetStamp as well. So thank you so much for BetStamp for sponsoring this podcast. All right. Um as we're recording here, I don't know, Chase, if you had the World Juniors on. Czechia just uh, scored with 30 seconds left in the game to tie it and then scored in overtime. So they will be playing for the gold medal game uh, on Thursday as this podcast is probably coming out. Uh, that is insane. Uh, Czechia has not medaled in a long time at this tournament. They deserve it, too, is the craziest part. It's not like they're just PDOing people there either. No, they're, argue- they're the second best team in this tournament, I would say. Yep. You know, and, like and, and they beat Canada already. So if you told me they're the best, like take the name off the jerseys, they're the best team in the tournament, I'd be like, yep, I uh, I believe you. They, they, they play uh, they play such a just sound defensive style, but they have so much offensive talent as well that like they're just a perfect combo of everything. Like, yeah, they probably they shouldn't be if – It'll run. I mean, if they play the U.S., I think they should be at least even money, maybe even slightly favored. If they play Canada, and obviously Canada U.S. is going to go in about an hour when we're recording this. If they play Canada, like they shouldn't be underdogs that aggressively. I don't think. I don't think so. I mean, they obviously will be, but you can make a pretty good argument they're on even footing with them. Also, yeah. my David Jircheck love looks so so good already. <laughs> yeah, he's been amazing this tournament, and. Uh, I don't cheer for teams. I cheer for myself to be right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and yeah, another one. Um, I'm trying. I'm, I'm blanking on uh, another the, the other guy I wanted to bring up for the checks. Uh, uh, it'll come to me in a second. But yeah, they, they've just been a really, really good team. Like they dominated a Switzerland team in the quarterfinals, and Switzerland had three wins in this tournament. You know, like all in overtime, but they still like they dominated uh marcel marcel is another guy awesome name uh he's looked really good yep. spot checks look pretty solid this tournament as well like their blue line is really stacked thomas amara's look decent as well um you know th- their blue line is stacked and you know their forwards just play a really good like their forwards back check aggressively that they you don't get too much in the offensive zone and then they play a really good counter attack too yeah they they absolutely do they they remind me of what like I think like Finnish teams are kind of infamous for like there's something about it. They just play way better than they have any business being at international tournaments. I feel like that describes it. Yep, that's a good way to put it. Um yeah, so it's been a really good tournament so far. I'm excited. I'm sure Canada US should be a good game tonight, regardless of the outcome. You know, uh, I'll be a lot happier with one of the outcomes, but um yep. it's been yeah, just I, again, we talked about it last week. You know, the, the tournament does miss Russia in terms of adding a little bit more intrigue to the quarterfinals. 
Uh, other than the Canada game, well, the, the Finland-Sweden game was good too, and then Canada-Slovakia was intense as well. Um, but there was two it just was absolutely really intense. Like crazy. And it wasn't a case of like Slovakia wasn't taking to Canada, but they were doing everything they could to try and get that upset. But um, the the U.S. game and then the um, Czech game were just absolutely slaughtered. So that, that kind of was unfortunate, but the tournament itself has been a lot of fun and I'm um, looking forward to watching, you know, the last couple games here as we wrap up uh, for that. But I, I don't know much more to say on the world juniors. Do you? Uh, not at the moment. If the, a lot will depend on how this Canada game goes. I'm sure the narrative on it. Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, like, yeah, I, it'll be, it's one of those things where this is one of the tournaments too. I, I love it so much, but it is one of the few things where, I'm so passionate about Canada winning for whatever reason. Like I don't, I don't usually really care. And I'm not like hurt by it by usual, but like when Canada gets eliminated, I find it hard sometimes to turn on the rest of the tournament. Yep. I agree with that. Um, and it's not like usually like that for others. So like even, I don't know when, when Ottawa got eliminated from the conference finals, I found it a little hard to turn on the Stanley cup finals that year, but it's just generally, and maybe it's just because, you know, Canada's supposed to win every year, whereas none of the other teams I cheer for are ever supposed to do that. But like the, the blue Jays get eliminated from the playoffs. I'm still watching the playoffs in baseball. The, the Raiders barely ever make the playoffs. So even when they get eliminated, it's like, Oh, we made it. That was cool. Um, and same with, you know, Ottawa and hockey, but yeah, this is one of the tournaments where it's like if they lose tonight, I I am I probably will watch the game tomorrow just because it's a Thursday night and I want to much to do. But like, I will be a lot more pressed to try and turn on my TV at six thirty than I would be with with Canada in the goal. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Um, anything else you want to talk about, uh, either from a player specific thing, a, a league per- specific uh, standpoint? I don't think so. I rack my brain, but I, I do not think there's anything specific. I don't have too many. The Blackhawks still don't have 10 wins. That's impressive. They're in an L5 and 1-9-0. They have 20 points this year. The Tankathon is is impressive. I love a good Tankathon. Yeah, and like it, the tournament, just speaking of the World Juniors, like Bedard is fully showing out why too, right? Like that's been the yeah. best part is it's not like it's been a world juniors where every, all the hype's gone for this number one kid or whatever. And then he kind of falls flat. And I'd argue even the want to get number one has probably come bigger in this tournament because Bedard has absolutely dominated. Fantilli has looked rather pedestrian. He really has, which is, I mean, it's, it's just contrast, right? Like 17-year-olds yes. looking pedestrian at the World Juniors is normal, even really, really good ones. But it's just, it's just the ultimate Bedard compliment. Exactly, right? Like, it's not a knock on Fantillion. He can still be an absolutely amazing player. But yeah, like, all the talk of like, oh, there's actually three absolutely superstar players. Like, it's starting to look like, no, it is Bedard. And then the rest of the players are still really good. But Bedard is the can't-miss guy. Yeah, like, there's... The other I thing don't I will say, think there will be a hot take should Fantilli go one thing this year. No, people were trying to like force that in, but I, I think this tournament's probably killed that narrative. Yeah, and like for reference, uh, Nathan McKinnon, I think, sucked in his draft year World Juniors, by the way. Um, but yeah, like even McDavid versus Eichel, people are like, well, I don't know about Jack Eichel might go well. Like people try it literally every year. I think this year it might not 
not happen at all for once. Yeah, I yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, I, I'm sure like the networks will try and like because that's the thing. It usually comes from like sports. Because like, I remember the same with Matthews. Everyone knew Matthews was going one, but then like a week before there was a bunch of Elliot Freeman reports where it's just like, well, I don't know. They kind of like line A, like he's the goal scorer. People see him as the better goal scorer. It's like, no, you're just trying to get people to look into your TV show, which is fine. 100%. But like, that doesn't mean we need to read into it too much. And and the other thing I will say for Fantilli is that this is his first uh, World Juniors, whereas Bedard played in obviously the canceled one last year, but then the actual one in the summer. Uh, yeah. And it is a lot, like, I, I think it's just natural to, to, say that it, we it is a lot easier i think for these guys to dominate their second time around uh regardless of age than it is their first yeah which makes sense it's got to be quite the adjustment period you play with your individual team and then obviously fantilli's played in national stuff his whole life i'm sure as a kid but like the scale of the world juniors is just something that most people will never experience up until they've done it yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, like it's a lot yeah. on a 17 year old kid, which I think gets lost too. He's 17 years old. He can't legally vote in Canada. Yeah. I mean, Fantilli just turned 18, but actually, yes. Fantilli just did. Yeah. Yeah. But still, point stands, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like Bedard in the summer when he was still 17 years old, technically, um, only had eight points in seven games, which again, only is still insane, but that just speaks to how much better he got the second time around. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but yeah, no, the uh, Chicago Blackhawks are putting in a masterclass to get this uh, first overall odds. The Ducks are right there too. The Ducks just hit their 10th uh, win uh, on L2, 3, 6, and 1 their last 10. They have 24 points in 38 games, but uh, the Blackhawks, 20 points in 30. If you told me the Arizona Coyotes, I knew the Blackhawks were going to be bad, but if you told me the Arizona Coyotes had 11 more points by January 4th than the, the Blackhawks, I would have been like, what on earth are you talking about? Mm-hmm. That's uh, hilarious. And the Blackhawks haven't sold Kane yet. I am floored by this. Like, because it's it gets worse every day for the, for Kane, right? Yeah, I and it's one of the and like the Blackhawks are in a tough spot because I think a lot of teams are probably going to want to wait as close to the deadline as they can because that's how you get more and more cap, cap every day. Yeah, but the Hawks probably got to be like, hey, we kind of want to sell this guy before he keeps staying. Now, the one thing they benefit is he does have three Stanley Cups and like a decade of being a like a ninety plus point player or whatever. So yeah, he will always be Patrick Kane, which helps. Yes, it's going to be a lot easier to sell teams that like, hey, it's actually just we suck and Patrick Kane's still in there and that's why he's having a bad year versus like trying to sell someone on, even like Jacob Vrana, right? Like of like, you need to rebuild this guy or, you know, you need to hope he's not hurt or whatever. But um, yeah, like it's just, I can't imagine this is much fun for Taze and Kane either. No, God, that's going to suck. So um, yeah, that is... Just a masterclass at the tank right now. Like they're on pace to break even like the Detroit and Colorado record, I think, for for least points in the season, which is truly, truly impressive. It is. It's it's gonna be sad to like watch their games every night. I I give a lot of credit to people who tune into tanking teams consistently. I've watched a lot of bad Ottawa Senators hockey, and like I don't know if I would have ever stuck around if they had eight wins by January fourth. Yeah, like, life's 
too short to watch a team this bad every night. I, think. I mean, if you do it and you enjoy it, good for you. But I can't imagine it's fun. No, I can speak from experience. It's not. There's Again, there's been a lot of games. Of the, like Chris Tierney, someone posted the Sens lineup for him a year ago, and Chris Tierney was their 2C. Jeez. I'm just like, oh, my God. And, like, this is – so they were – this was right in the middle. They got absolutely crushed by injuries last year as well. But um, they had, like – I'm going to see if I like the tweet or not. It was, like, Stutzla, Kachuk, and Tyler Ennis was their top line. And then they had three fourth lines, basically. It was just, like – I didn't like the tweet. But it was just one of the saddest things I've ever seen. But um, – I love those old lineup tweets. Yeah, it, like it was only a year ago went around for a while. Yeah, yeah the, they're the always amusing. Leafs the, when they shut everyone down in that last like three month stretch, they had some uh, pretty yeah. epic lineups too. It's like PA Parentos, your trigger man on the power play and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like oh man, that's how you tank. But uh, yeah, I don't think I have anything else from around the league either. Yeah, um, that's all good. But uh, I don't know. Do you want to do a career game real quick? I got a couple more categories. Yeah, man. All right. We'll do this quick. We'll we'll play a couple rounds of this, and then uh, we'll wrap up. I think we're approaching the 45, 50-minute mark anyway, so it'll be perfect. Um, For anyone who hasn't listened to us play this before, basically um, the way it goes is I give Chase uh, a, a category. He'll choose player A, B, or C. These are all categories I have players I come up with. Uh, and then I'm going to read out every destination that that player has played for, and he has to guess the player that I'm talking about. Uh, obviously, I'll, off the teams right away, he's not going to get it, so he can ask for clues. Um, the first clue is seasons played. Uh, the second clue is still active or last year that he played. Third clue would be his longest-serving team. Fourth would be the year drafted. Fifth would be uh, games played in the NHL. Uh, and then sixth clue is non-NHL teams and how many points did he have in the NHL. So... Um, we'll go from there. And obviously any clue that he gets takes a point off of his total. Uh, all right. We have, what category do you want to go here? D-men that played for Toronto, players turned Sportsnet or TSN analysts, uh, or a whole lot of nothing, which is a thousand games played and no major, major awards. Let's go a whole lot of nothing. All right. A, B, or C? B. B. All right. Let me just pull up his... Hockey DB here. And we will go. All right. San Jose Sharks, Edmonton Oilers, Florida Panthers, Columbus Blue Jackets, Detroit Red Wings, Carolina Hurricanes, Phoenix Coyotes, Dallas Stars. Jeez, that's a lot of freaking teams, which I guess makes sense of a whole lot of nothing. Uh, I'm going to need first hint on this one. All right. And the first hint is seasons played, which I should probably add these up at some point instead of just counting them, but I'll count them quick. I see. He played, looks like, 23 seasons. Parts of 23 seasons, I should say. Three seasons. Jeez. And he's drafted, or his first team was San Jose Sharks. Correct. Sorry, 22 seasons. I, I think I might have miscounted when he was traded that season. But San Jose Sharks, and then 
Where does he go after? Then he goes uh, to Edmonton, San Jose, Florida. Edmonton, Florida, Columbus, Detroit, Carolina, then, Phoenix, Dallas. Dallas. So he ends his year, his career in Dallas. Is he active? I'm going to go, uh, no, no, he can't be. I don't even need that hint because nobody who's played 22 seasons is active, period, right? Um, Probably not because Thornton's not on the roster, is he? Or, yeah, and Char is not. No. Um, Char was at the World, uh, the um, Winter Classic the other day, which was pretty cool. No, I did not. So I saw the, the, the Boston outfits and everything. All right, I can yeah. get another one. Uh, all right, so his last year active was 2013-14. 2013-14 Dallas Stars. Okay, that is helpful. Let's think about the 2013-14 Dallas Stars. That was good Jamie Ben, correct? Yeah. Good Jamie so. Ben, yeah. say again. So that's like young Nachushkin. Do you want longest serving team? This might help. Yeah, go longest serving team. So he played with a lot of these for really close to the same amount, but I would say I remember him most as a Carolina Hurricane. He played five basically full seasons with Carolina. And okay, so it's old I, dudes on that team. Yes, I should say he has won a cup, but no like major personal awards is what I was going with in this category. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and that's stars. Heverly didn't play that long. <laughs> I know he was on that team. Um, God, Carolina Hurricanes was his main team. I would say I remember him with Carol. Yeah, five seasons. He played parts of five seasons, but less games with San Jose, and four seasons basically full with Florida. Was he good in Carolina? Like legitimately uh, good, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He had is, one really good season. Is it Ryan Whitney? It is Ryan Whitney. Or well, sorry, Ray Whitney. No, I I destroy those two names all the yeah. time. Hell yeah, it's, it is Ray Whitney. Um, yeah, Who he else started... was an old dude on that team. Because Sean Horkov was drafted by Edmonton, right? He was old on yes. that team. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure there were other old dudes, but that's Whitney was drafted round two, 23rd overall in the 1991 NHL entry draft by the San Jose Sharks. Uh, played two games with them that first year, 26 the next, uh, splitting some time in the IHL as well, which I'm assuming was the AHL at some point, uh, or maybe it was just a different league. I don't know. Uh, played a couple more years with San Jose. Uh, in 1997, he went to the Oilers. Uh, and then was split. He played nine games with the Oilers and then went to the Panthers, uh, played four years with the Panthers. In 2001, he was flipped to the Blue Jackets, played two years basically there, uh, was on the Hur the Red Wings in 03-04, the Hurricanes in 05-06, where he won the Cup, uh, and then played about five years with the Hurricanes and then went to Phoenix for two years and Dallas for two years. There we go. That's a good one. Oh, I did not right. know he was ever on the Blue Jackets. No, I didn't. Uh, there was a bunch of teams there where I was kind of looking at it. I don't remember him there, but Carolina is what usually sticks out with me, and probably because he won a cup there. And he had an 83-point season. Yeah, he used to be pretty good in Shell. Yeah. Way back then. Um, all right. So let's go. We can either do 30-plus-year-old Blue Liners that played in Dallas. 
top 10 picks that have played for five different teams or missed opportunities. So all-stars after they were traded. Give me 30 plus year old blue liners that played in Dallas. This is a list. Um, So Johnny Oduya is already a name you've guessed on this one. Um, So there's three more, A, B, or C. I'll go A this time. All right. Let me pull up his hockey DB as well. All right. So we have the Buffalo Sabres, Carolina Hurricanes, Los Angeles Kings, Edmonton Oilers, Dallas Stars. I'm definitely going to need another hand. All right. Seasons played. Four, five, six, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, sixteen seasons played. Okay, so he stuck around for a while. I'm trying to think. He started where? Buffalo. Buffalo. So the old Dallas Stars guys, I'm thinking of like Roby Daw. That would not be him. Um, looks like an old Dallas Stars defenseman. Roby Daw, there was another one. Another one who played with Roby Daw, wasn't there? Possibly. He was better. If I remember correctly. Do you want still active over last year active? Yeah, give me still active over last year. Last year active was 2021-22. Okay. That's helpful. That is very, very helpful. So the 2021-2022 Dallas Stars. That is a weird year. Is that? Robertson's rookie year? Uh, no, 2021-2022 would be last year. Like this last season. Okay. Oh, shit. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, so Dallas Stars Blue Liners last year. They have Heiskanen, obviously. They have, who else? Klingberg, but it won't be Klingberg. Elsa Lindell, it won't be Elsa Lindell. They had Ryan Suter, but he was not drafted by Buffalo. That was a Nashville. Um, they have who else? I'm gonna get out of hand. So his longest serving team is the Buffalo Sabres. But I actually think him of him more as an Edmonton Oiler than anyone else. Edmonton Oilers defenseman that goes to Dallas. Dallas has a lot of really not obscure, but like they're a good fact, team for like old defense. The fact that I could make a list with four or five names that are 30 plus that have played on their blue line in the past like six years is very telling. Was Gonchar on there? I was hoping you tried to hit me with. Gonchar when I asked for this one. No, actually. Because he was archaic when he uh he went over. My my metagame was like 
because obviously Gonchar is known for Pittsburgh and Washington, and then he retires in Dallas after like one year. So I was like, maybe you're going to try to sneak this one by me. <laughs> uh shit. <laughs> Last year's Dallas Stars team. Who else is on our blue line? Thomas Harley. But it's definitely not him. Um, I had no idea this guy was still playing for Dallas last year, to be honest. <laughs> the oldest player I think I can think of on that Dallas Stars team is Hanley's cousin. But it was <laughs> definitely not Joel Hanley. Do you want years drafted? Yeah. All right. So his year drafted was 2004. Round three, 71st overall. Okay. 2004 will be helpful. I am about to add 2004 to the draft modeling stuff we are doing, but I have not done that yet, which is annoying. In the last two, last two hints are games played. Yeah. Uh, which is 842. Uh, and then any non-NHL teams or in total points in the NHL. So wow. non-NHL teams isn't very helpful. He played with the Owen Sound attack in junior, but I'm going to assume you're not a big 2004 junior guy. I am not. Um, his total point line in the NHL, 51 goals, 202 assists for 253 points. 212 penalty minutes in 842 games. I have no idea. I think this is the first one I've stumped you on in a long time. Yeah. Am I the answer? Yeah. Andre Sakara. Jesus, he was on the Stars? He played 32 games of the Stars last year. He played, he signed with them in 2019-20. I do remember him signing, put up eight points in 57 games, five points in 46 games, four points in 32 games, and he must be retired because I didn't see him anywhere on the cap friendly this year. I remember him signing, and I didn't even know he was in the league last year. Yeah, I had no idea he was still playing until I looked at this and went, oh, wow. But I think of him most, I didn't realize he played six or seven years in Buffalo. I think of him most as like an oiler. I get that with an oiler. He was a bit of a fancy stats legend. Uh, yeah. When I was like first getting into those with the Oilers. Yeah. I do remember he was that. one of the first guys I can remember being like, no, this is a guy the Oilers should actually keep. Yeah. Him and Clough Bob. Yes. But yeah. yeah. All right. Well, there we go. I actually stumped you for once. Uh, I think that's probably good to wrap it up. We can definitely play this again uh, soon. I'm sure. Um as always, you can find all my work at lastword.hockey.com, Chase's work at actionnetwork.com, Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66, and myself on Twitter at NHL Sense and stuff. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening. And as always, we will be at you, uh, be back with another episode next week. Bye.